0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Yesterday, meaning Tuesday, or Wednesday, was a wild day in the NBA. Two games were postponed following the revelation that Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive with the the coronavirus. And with us to discuss the new developments is beat writer Rod Beard of the Detroit News. Welcome, Rod.
0: Darren, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate
1: it. Appreciate having you. And so we got a lot to sort out, a lot to kind of talk about. But first, let's talk about how um, crazy uh, last night was and how, you know, everything was really going up and down uh, throughout the night.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was in Philadelphia and at the Wells Fargo Center. They had kind of put out an alert that they wanted people in Um, that critical audience of the the seniors and people who were susceptible to coronavirus to maybe stay away from it. So it was just kind of weird that they were even still having a game given that warning that they were putting out. And the crowd was a usual Philly crowd. I mean, they, they heckled, they laughed, they, they joked, they yelled whatever they wanted to. Um, When I took a picture and I posted it to Twitter and and I I put, Hey, what if this is the last time we're going to see this for a while? Because throughout the night, the NBA had kind of been, the Board of Governors had met, and they were um, trying to decide what they wanted to do. And we thought it was just going to be no fans in games. But toward the end of the game, and I think it was just after the final buzzer, when the Rudy Gobert news came, it just all went so quickly. It was Everything was a whirlwind. That news came down, and then the uh, NBA's announcement for the suspension of the season came within... Had to be a minute or two minutes after that information came out. So every everything changed quickly in the sports world just on that instant. That as soon as a player was diagnosed with it, that um, that we, that the the season had to be, split to sort things out.
1: Right, and so you know, with all of this going down in you know a matter of minutes, how chaotic was it? You know, on press row, what were people doing or saying or. What what was the atmosphere like um, when when it immediately hit?
0: Well, it, it was right at the end of the game. and A lot of the, the Philly media had just gone to the post-game uh, press area, which was in a different area than in the arena. I was still finishing up my story. So I was one of the last few people there. There might have been two or three other uh, people there. Michael Lee from uh, The Athletic was also there. And he kind of looked at me and said, wait a minute, they suspended the season. Or, or he he had just heard about the beer news and he said, "Wait a minute! They suspended the season that quick," and so it's just refreshing your phone and and refreshing your email to make sure you got the announcement. But it was that's just how quickly things can change. Is um, it was just the, the looks on everybody's faces were sort of I can't believe this, and the fans were for the most part gone at that point. So we didn't get the reaction from fans, but among people that I saw, the, the agents, the team staff, the, the trainers, everybody else, it was just sort of, old crap moment of, this is really hitting home. It, everything was kind of theoretical um, before that of, of talking about what could happen if an NBA player got a positive uh, diagnosis, but, when it happened, everything happened so quickly and it spread so quickly.
1: Right. So and speaking of that, speaking of uh, Rudy Gobert, I mean, you know, you're talking about over a, a a period of of a few days. He had direct or indirect contact with about 30 teams. Talk about how massive that is and and that being the causal reason why. Uh, the NBA shut down the, the season, at least temporarily?
0: Well, I, I think one thing that, that that you have to kind of put out there is Rudy Gobert is the first person that we know who tested positive. There might be other positive tests. And even today, uh, Donovan Mitchell was confirmed as a positive test. So we, we people have kind of looked at Rudy Gobert as the patient zero in this and the source of it. We don't really know that for sure. There There might be other people who are positive who just haven't been tested. We don't know where Rudy maybe got it from. So there are any number of other um, things you have to think about within this, but the way that it spread throughout the league, every teams play typically every other day or or every third day. So just within since Saturday, even let's say the Pistons played um, the jazz on Saturday, they flew to New York and played the Knicks on Sunday. Uh, And then they played in Philly or yesterday on Wednesday. So that's, three teams right there that 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 immediate contact has gone to indirectly you think about the other teams i think it was um toronto that the jazz on monday so um anybody that toronto has played and then you look at official work that game and went who worked the pistons uh jazz game on saturday and went and worked the other game and then the people that they were in contact with so it could be very quick that you indirectly touched every team in the league and every player in the league just by playing in that one game. And for what it's worth, Langston, uh, one of the said last night that he was concerned because it, it, basketball is a touchy, feely sport. There's a lot of contact that's there, and it's not like football where you got pads and gloves and everything else on. Basketball is a very, you got your jersey, and that's about it. If you got an elbow sleeve or something else, that might be the only um, skin protection that you have against. Um, contact with other players and it's a little bit different because you're touching the ball constantly, you're passing the ball, it's the it's the same ball on offense and defense. It's just a lot of it's scary to think of what the transmission of that could be and, and what other things were done. Um so that's just kind of how it spreads just that quickly.
1: Great. And you and you did raise a a great point in saying Rudy Gobert is sort of being the face of this because um just by my um outside Um, just looking at uh, the the reports of of people that were out. There were a number of players that were out last week um, and they said it was because of illness. Um, And so we don't know whether they had, you know, the typical flu or whether they had the coronavirus. Um, And I'm sure some of that is going to be sorted out over the next, you know, few days. But I think it's a very important point that you raised that, you know, um, Rudy Gobert is kind of being you know, the face of this when it could be a number of different players. Um, And so moving to the Pistons, um, they've kind of been shut down or self-quarantined for 10 days. Explain sort of what that means. And um, Rod, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Pistons. Um, They've been self-quarantined for about 10 days. Um, Could you explain to us what exactly that means and whether you've gotten any kind of word um, about some Pistons that could potentially be infected with the virus.
0: Well, um, it's going to be, it's probably a 10 to 14 day process because that's even the direct contact with the jazz and jazz players from Saturday. So I don't know if they're going to go on a 10 day clock or a 14 day clock, which is, um, the thing, and I, I talked to a, a source today who said that they have the opportunity to get tests if they want them today, but if they're not presenting with symptoms, that it's just optional and they don't have to get tested. But I would imagine every player would want to be. So, I mean, call it optional, but I would think that everybody takes uh, takes advantage of that opportunity to do that. But it just means that you're going to try to limit the exposure that you have in public, Um, try to make sure that you're not, again, around those susceptible groups, such as the elderly, um, such as people with compromised immune systems or uh, diabetics, anything like that who um, would be especially susceptible to coronavirus. So it's just going to be, you might, guys might be playing video games, guys might just sit down and read a book or do whatever, but you want to try to limit as much as you can um, in being out in large spaces and again, that's the connected piece of this, is, is that's why the NBA was looking to limit the public interaction and why the NCAA has done that as well, limit the public interaction with some of this. Because if it starts spreading on a large scale like that, we talked about what it could just do from one team to the other team. But if you're talking in the thousands of people, and there were probably 15,000 people at Wells Fargo in Philly last night, if something like that starts to spread and it spreads quickly you could be talking about huge population centers that could potentially be infected
1: sure and so in in terms of um the the self quarantine does that mean that the guys are not going to be able to work out or they're going to find other places to work out in small smaller places and 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 that sort of thing um because i mean they are basketball players and they're going to want to play basketball so I mean, and they're going to also want to try to stay in some sort of shape. And so what kind of position does that put them in and what what will all of this shake out? What do you think will shake out out of this?
0: Yeah, I think guys will have to just start doing stuff individually. And my understanding is that the Pistons won't have any practices at the, their practice facility and won't have any organized team activities. Uh, they sent out a statement earlier today that they're asking all of their employees to work from home, at least for the rest of this week while they sort out and figure out um, what the next steps are going to be medically for that. And all of their their traveling parties, so that's your locker room attendants, your trainers, your front office people, the coaching staff, everybody's uh, supposed to be under this um, self-isolation time. Uh, And again, it's unclear whether it's going to be 10 or 14 days, but that's what it looks like is is if guys want to stay in shape, they may have to do it at their houses or um, find a small private area where they can do that or a health club or something. Um, It's just not clear on how they're going to stay in shape. But from a league-wide perspective, you would think that it would be at least two weeks, But it might be much longer than that because what's the next step? Even if the league decides that they want to start having games again, you would think that it would be no fans and it would still just be teams and staff. But that would have to be after everybody got tested. Everybody came back with a negative at the end of that two-week period. So I still think that we're talking about at least a month. Okay. Before we if they're going to do it and, and restart the season, whether they look at, at canceling the rest of the regular season, and just starting again with playoffs or, or exactly what a lot of that stuff still has to be figured out.
1: OK. And so speaking of of canceling the season, you're, you've you've got people like LeBron, Steph Curry um, to just end the season right now um, because of not only what is going on now, but with the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, and is that a realistic possibility?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to end the season and not have playoffs or not have anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, the NBA, a lot of it is about money, and a lot of the salary cap, a lot of the players' salaries and free agency, um, a lot of that is dictated by the basketball-related income. And if you're – most teams have about 17, 16, 17 games left in the season, If you multiply that, and I think I saw it was 280-something games that were left, um, multiply that by the millions of dollars that ownership isn't going to be getting for that. So your basketball-related income is obviously going to drop. So I think they're looking at suspending the season and maybe picking it up at some point and finishing these last 16 games. And the other side of that is if you look at the standings, the, the playoff teams are pretty much decided, more or less, of which teams are in and which teams are out. Just the ordering of what those teams are is the only thing that would, people might have some some uh, consternation about. But uh, I would think that the owners would want to try to get um, some of that those gates back and, and those um, concessions and parking and all of that extra income that they would be losing uh, and then the, the concern about the hourly workers, the concession stand workers, the ushers, those folks who would lose that income, That's been a, a, there's been a groundswell of support for those folks. So I think you would want to have those games just to help those those people to realize that income that that, that would have been lost if you just canceled the season outright and not add anything at all. But there's something to say, we want to finish the season, we want to have a champion, we want to figure out what all of this stuff means. But again, the basketball related income, I think, is going to make a lot of those decisions for a lot of the owners and the board of governors, people in the league itself is um, trying to get back to some normalcy is going to be really, really hard in doing that.
1: Right. And, and in addition to um, some of the the workers that you mentioned before, um, my question or, or one that has sort of been raised um, is whether the players will be paid during uh, this time and. Um, do you have any indication as to what will happen on on, on that front?
0: Yeah, it, from things that I've heard, at least in the short term, they will be, um, because the TV contract is the TV contract. Um, and, and I don't know how many outs the networks would have in not paying that. But again, that also starts moving forward into next season that let's say you've got a, a big contract this year and you're a free agent. What happens when you try to sign in the summer to get something it's just maybe if you're a player who um was was going to be the next star on a team like Kawhi Leonard wasn't necessarily Kawhi Leonard until he got in the finals and and, and helped the Raptors win the championship so that's obviously raised his stake and his value in a free agent negotiation what would that look like for a guy who doesn't get to do that Um, And, again, I don't think the NBA wants to leave a a stone unturned and just say we're ending the season and that's it and um, to be continued next season. I think they want to try to finish this out. But as far as pay uh, for players, I think that's an evolving situation, and we've got to see, again, whether they decide to pick up and play these last 16 or 17 regular season games or whether they just say, you know what, forget it, let's just start with the playoffs, and that's a a natural cutoff point. Okay.
1: Uh, On a personal note, um, my I'm wondering how concerned are you about being infected, um, whether someone had to check you out and, you know, um, the the sense of what you're feeling. Are you feeling any angst or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I, I was a little bit nervous last night when it happened, because when you start connecting the dots and you say, wait a minute, the Jazz just played at Little Caesars Arena on Saturday. And I didn't have any contact with any of the Jazz players or Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell or anybody else. Um, but then it's the indirect. It's that next level of that is that I obviously have had contact with the Pistons players and, and coaches and things who had that same contact with uh, Donovan Mitchell. And uh, I wanted to get tested last night because I was starting to freak out about it. So I was I was in Philly and I called the Department of Health there and they uh, said to call the hospital. And they said, you can't get a test unless you're presenting with, cyst- with symptoms. So um, I said, well, is it okay for me to fly home? And they said, "Well, if, if, even if you got a test, it's not going to be—you're not going to have results for three more days." So, yeah, just go ahead and fly home, but just obviously be cautious with everything. Uh, and so, this morning before I left Philly, I uh, called the Michigan Department of Health and asked the same sorts of questions, and they had the same answers—that they're not trying to give tests to people who have not um, shown any symptoms—and and, uh, but to if you—if I want to self-quarantine. And the same idea for 14 days, just make sure I'm not in any large groups, um, not around elderly people or or, um, coughing or anything like that. Then if I don't have any symptoms, then I should be okay. So I think that's the general um, advice that they're giving for anybody is to just monitor yourself. If there's no shortness of breath, no cough and no fever, then you could be um, you could say that you're okay, but not uh, have that test.
1: Sure. I mean, what's sense are you getting that uh guys in the NBA are finally understanding that this is a real serious issue? I mean, you know, Rudy Gobert played around last week and and touched all the mics because he was sick and 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 people were making jokes about it. Um, what kind of sense are you getting on that? And the same with fans or or people in the regular public, right? Um, athletes are are superstars and are seen as the biggest, strongest people in the world and, and they are um getting this. Um and you're talking about, you know, Tom Hanks and others, um where it sort of now sort of makes it real. So what kind of sense do you get on on those kind of fronts?
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it makes a difference that it's an NBA player and it's a a pretty well known name, fairly well known name, um, that it puts a face on it, that it, it makes it where The the early cases that were in Seattle, well, this is a senior home, and it's really only infecting elderly people. This is a 20-something-year-old who is in prime world-class physical athletic condition, and he still was able to get it. And so it, it makes you understand that this isn't just relegated to certain groups of people. It's not a racial thing. It's not an age thing. It's not a health thing. That anybody can get this. And obviously, Gobert is taking some some heat because he was grabbing on the microphones and and recorders um, that it was a joking matter. And I think w- once you put a face to it in the NBA, a prominent face that it's not a joking matter anymore. People know that this is serious stuff and you you don't know if you have it. So everybody's going to want to go and get tested. But the way that the medical um situation is set up that is there aren't enough tests for everybody to go out and get it. So just use common sense. And and they've said that from the very beginning, wash your hands for 20 seconds. If you're sick, don't go to work. Um, Don't cough on people. I mean, just, just very, very simple stuff that people, your mother's been telling you for 20 or 30 years when you were a kid, do this stuff. And so it's, and I've noticed where I've gone and I've washed my hands. I started washing my hands Somebody walked in the bathroom, used the bathroom, and walked out before I was done washing my hands. And so, those are the ones that you have to reach with this common sense approach to it. Is that this isn't a joke? There are people who cough and say, "Oh, my bad. I don't have the virus." Well, it's it, you might, you don't know, and so it's it's less of a joking matter and it's more of a serious matter. And putting it, it's almost like when when Magic Johnson got HIV and came out and put a face on it. You may have known people who had HIV, but most people will remember where they were when Magic Johnson's press conference happened and that made it real. It wasn't something just on the fringes anymore. This was real that everybody had to pay attention to. And I think Gobert uh, testing positive and now Donovan Mitchell makes it even more prevalent that that's going to be the case.
1: Right. And and given um, that this is pro athlete and, you know, Tom Hanks and all this other stuff, um, are people now going to get on in a media overload um, because everybody's going to be covering covering it? It's gonna it's gonna be on CNN. It's gonna be on ESPN. It's gonna be everywhere that that sports fans and people um, look at to try to figure out what's going on. What's what's your sense on that?
0: Yeah, I think it is going to be, and it's going to be part of the news cycle where it's um, there's so many other things going on. But this is going to be front and center within that. Uh, and it should be, because if you look at it on a worldwide basis, and that's the other part, is that Americans maybe didn't take it as seriously as they should have and taking measures. Uh, and at first, it was really more of going out and, oh, let's get, buy all the sanitizer that we can, because that's the first step of it. But it's not just using sanitizer. It's your behavior. It's the way that you handle um when you're walking around and dealing with people and consciously saying, instead of just rinsing my hands off for five seconds and and going about my business, let me do it for 20 or 25, just to be sure. Let me not um, cough out here and and just be all out here with my illness. And and, uh, for people who can't afford to do it, if you don't feel well, don't go to work. Don't Try to expose other people. Take your fellow man into consideration when you do things because that's how this thing is spreading so rapidly is because people unconsciously are doing things or maybe consciously not following the directions, but maybe this is giving them the directive and the incentive to try to do it a little bit more.
1: Sure. And as a member of the media, how do you sort of balance that? Um, the balance of giving uh, the proper information to people while also um not trying to overblow um, this situation. Um, give me your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I, I just try to tell people and, and just like this interview, I'm, I'm just trying to tell people what my experience is and what kind of makes sense to do is, is um, it's not, and Rudy Gobert is, is taking a lot of um, negative flack online because he touched the microphones and, and he made light of coronavirus at the time, but You can't fault him. He didn't know. If he did it knowingly, it's a little bit different than um, just kind of saying, "Hey, this we're taking this abundance of caution to try to make sure that we're not spreading it." But the media people, I think, what he was saying in doing that was, "You're my guys. I trust you. I've been around you." Um, But it it also highlights the fact that you don't know when you're sick. You 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 don't know that you're sick until you're sick.
1: Sure. Um, This is not pro related, but you know the college world is going you know topsy turvy as we as we know it now i mean the big 10 big 12 sec american conference um all canceled their tournaments today um and so what does this sort of mean or signal um about the ncaa um and or about the march madness ncaa tournament and and also because you are a former uh, Michigan beat beat writer, how do you believe that the NCAA is going to be able to see the tournament um, when you have all of these conferences that are getting rid of their champions um, that would receive automatic bids?
0: Yeah, I I think that's going to be a developing situation and something just to watch because it, it may just end up pushing everything back very much like we're talking about with the NBA because If you don't have conference tournaments, you can say it's the regular season champion, and that's what seems to be fair. And I think what people have to realize is that this is an unprecedented situation. We've never had anything that's like this. So you can't do business as usual with washing your hands, and you can't do business as usual with how you're doing sports. I mean, they could very easily just say, cancel everything, and we're just not going to have an NCAA tournament, period. There are always financial considerations that go along with that, and, and it's good to see that the, the individual conferences are canceling tournaments, but the Final Four is the the, the big breadwinner in all of this. That's a, the, the big chicken, and you've got to kind of measure how that's going to happen. Maybe they just um, cut it off at the end of the regular season and say, we'll pick the teams based off of this, or they'll come up with some agreeable way to do it so that the small schools don't get left out. But I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing things to to watch is that I can't see them canceling the entire tournament. It's there's too much money at stake. And, and sadly to say, it's, um, money is going to drive a lot of the decisions that are getting made in terms of sporting events in the next few weeks of, of whether you're going to see them. Um, and I know the NBA kind of reluctantly, um, suspended the season. Again, they were trying to do it with no fans at all so that you can still get the TV money out of it. But, um, to say that you're not going to have any of these events whatsoever, I mean, there's insurance costs, there's venue costs. There's a lot of different things that go into this from a financial perspective that the NCAA, the NBA, all of these leagues can't just eat the money that's, that goes into renting the, um, the Georgia dome. And saying, well, that's OK. We're just not going to have it out of an abundance of caution. They're going to figure out some kind of way to have it and televise it um, by the time this is all said and done. That's just my opinion.
1: Sure. And uh, just just for a point of uh, reference, uh, the NHL canceled or postponed their season um, earlier today as well. Um, and so, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to everything that's going on. And so, you know, we don't know what's what's going to happen next. Um but we'll have to sort of sort all of this out. Folks will have to sort all of this out. And, you know, just from my point of view, I, I think a lot of this is being driven by money. Um, if you're the Big Ten and you were expecting crowds of 30,000 um, and you've limited it to 250 people uh, in a stadium, um, I don't think that would have been the right choice. Um, and I think there was something that I read uh about the situation today and way down at the bottom of the story uh the 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 uh commissioner of the Big 10 said it wouldn't be financially prudent in order to do these things and so i do believe yeah. that mo- money um is a big driver in all of this
0: yeah at the, at the end of the day i think that, like i said the money decisions are going to be what actually does it and and people have to realize it's not going to be um you may have some inconvenience from a fan perspective it is an inconvenience you don't get to watch your favorite sport whoop de doo but there are people dying and there's a, a widespread virus that's going around around the world that's the, just put that in a perspective um if you're going to say well i don't get to watch the final four i don't get to watch the nba think about the players who are going through that and their families and and um it's not a computer game you don't just turn this on and these people play they have lives they have feelings they have situations and families too that they have to uh sort of think of and support and if you don't have them as being humans then you don't have this machine that the the sports machine that we have and so it it all kind of goes together but i think fans sometimes lose track and lose sight of that that these are actually people who have other things going on too and if um rudy gobert or, or donovan mitchell if they're not healthy can 't have a lead you can't it's just not the same
1: sure and and, and while uh, we're sort of on that kind of uh issue, talk to me a little bit about the um, locker room environment, and I know a lot of leagues in the recent weeks have pulled the media out of uh, the locker rooms itself in terms of interviewing, but describe to people the locker room um, setting and sort of all of the things that could potentially um Harm those who could be indirectly uh, involved with athletes?
0: Well, it, we were in the locker room in uh, at Madison Square Garden on Sunday. And so, in a locker room setting, I mean, you've got people getting out of the shower and, and um, just any number. Sometimes, when you're trying to interview a guy in a post game, it is the media scrum and you've got six or eight media members within a couple of feet of a guy's face. And so there's that exposure to it. But then it's also just if you want to talk to a guy and get a separate story, you do a one-on-one and, and you might sit down and talk um, face-to-face with a guy over over to the side a little bit more. And I, I did that with Christian Wood on, on that day, on Sunday. Um, so it's that closeness and that contact that that enables that spread. But that was part of the reason that the NBA put in the, the restrictions that they did on media that for um, Tuesday's practice and for Wednesday's game, we didn't have that that same closeness and, and one-on-one. It was like a six-to-eight-feet barrier. So instead of that um, talking in a scrum in the hallway, it was more of here's a table, the coach is going to sit there, or the player is going to sit there, and then you're um, there with a the microphone and you're, you're eight feet away, and you can still ask your questions and still do that. So it feels kind of odd. It's awkward in a media setting because you, you're so used to, as a beat writer – I talk to these people every day, and and you shake their hands, and you you dab them up, and you you do whatever. Um, but that that's another indicator of where we are is that the league enacted those uh, guidelines to try to put some space in between to make sure your people didn't have that exposure. So I mean that's it, it. It ended up being maybe a little bit too late because after Saturday we we had that, that uh, contact with the players on Sunday. But, I mean, they, they did what they could knowing what they knew at the time. So that's just how that contact and that spread kind of goes around.
1: And and how much of this do you think will um, will continue? I mean, because we know when uh, you cover the women's uh, NCAA tournament, um, you know, the media members are not allowed in the locker room. Um, when you're talking about the WNBA, it's the, it's the same way. Um, and so learning what they're are are doing right now. Will this sort of maybe change how the interaction between sports writers and, and athletes will interact?
0: Yeah. And I think there's going to be some of that, but I think the basis of that relationship with, with sports writer or even with political writer or city hall writer and the subjects that they cover, some of that just lends to that, that closeness and, and an off the record conversation, um, that you have, uh, face-to-face with somebody, some of that might be limited. It's just unclear how that's going to move forward. But that's a good question to think of how that's going to evolve, that um, there might be some distance in between people. And I think that's what's going to happen, at least until this clears up and we kind of figure out what the the long-term ramifications of this are going to be.
1: Okay. Um, And I know we've been talking about the coronavirus, but, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't ask any questions about uh, the Pistons right now and what they're – what they are doing um, in terms of uh, their blueprint moving forward. Um, Talk to me a little little bit about uh, where the Pistons are um, and what they are going to be doing uh, moving forward in terms of um, building this this team.
0: Well, uh, they started the season with with playoff aspirations and a a rebuilt roster, um, working around Blake Griffin. They got Derrick Rose in free agency. Uh, they thought with Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson being healthy that this would be a, a team that could not only make the playoffs like they did last year, but build on that and go a little bit farther. Um, but Blake Griffin was was injured at the end of last year, and that, that he had a slow start to this year in terms of that injury. Um, Reggie Jackson was hurt for a bit. Andre Drummond got traded to the Cavaliers at the trade deadline when they kind of realized that it, it wasn't going to be the season that they thought at the beginning. So now it's just a full-scale rebuild, and they're taking a look at their younger guys to see what other pieces they have that they can build around, and if there's um, true value in some of these guys. And, and their rookie, Sekou Dumboya that they drafted in the first round last year, has shown some flashes, but I mean he's a, he's a 19-year-old kid who played uh, in France uh, in the EuroLeague there, and so adapting to an NBA style and culture is going to be an adjustment for him Uh, Christian Wood is probably their most promising young guy, um, but he's an unrestricted free agent. So they're going to have to pay him a pretty penny to bring him back next year. And so it's just looking at, instead of this being a playoff team and you're pushing all the chips in the middle of the table on this group, which is kind of what they did last year and going into this year, the next couple of years look like they're going to be more I'm um, trying to find out what the true assets and true value is in some of their young guys.
1: OK. And and with Dwayne Casey, I know uh, there was a lot of speculation on him uh, when he left Toronto, that he wasn't kind of a guy who could take them over the top. But he was a person that could could build. Um, talk to me real quickly about him um, and being able to uh, build the Pistons as, as he did in Toronto
0: yeah he was known as a a good player development coach that kind of took what your strengths were and made them better and took the things that you weren't good at and made them made you stronger in those so with a young team um that's kind of he he suited to that but that's not what he was brought here for and that's not what you pay a coach um 7 million dollars a year to do so um there's some there's some in the fan base that want to suggest that he's in in hot water and his job might be in jeopardy But this is only his second year in his five-year deal, so I don't know anybody who's scratching out a $21 million check to make him go away. But um, I think the thing is going to be shifting the focus and looking at how quickly can they be competitive again. Blake Griffin still has two years left on his deal. Derrick Rose is is slated to be back next year. Um, This could be a team that could be competitive But again, it's a choice of, are you going to be competitive and and do like last year where you're out in the first round, or are you going to um, try to make some other moves? So the Pistons will have some salary cap space where they can make some, um, bring some other guys in. The problem is there aren't a lot of marquee guys in the free agent market this summer. So it's kind of, this is looking like it's going to be a two-year process of trying to figure out what direction they want to go in. And um that kind of matches up with the end of Blake Griffin's contract, which again is a reset button thing where they can start completely over with the young guys that they've developed. Okay.
1: Well, thank you, Rod. I appreciate you coming on, uh, the podcast today. And, uh, if you could give us your your final thoughts and comments of, uh, what we've talked about over the last, uh, half hour or so, um, the floor is yours.
0: I I would just say, um, just, just think about your fellow man. And, And this is, Um, a very serious and very much unprecedented situation that we're going through. So if you have uh, elderly families, certainly consider them. Check on your friends. Make sure that they're fine. But certainly check on yourself and and try to stay healthy. And if you're exhibiting any symptoms, call your doctor. Make sure you get checked out. Obviously, if you find these things earlier, it's going to be better. Um, But really just try to be patient and understand that – the the players are people too. It's not like you just turn on your video game and you can play everybody for 48 minutes. Guys get tired, guys get sick. Um, and, and that's just the way that this works in the real world. This isn't a video game. And so just have a little bit more patience, try to have some, some understanding of what's going on. And I think we can all get through this. All
1: right. Well, thanks again, Rod. I appreciate it. And um, this brings to a conclusion, another edition of beyond the headlines and, We'll see you, see you soon. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.